Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, it's Barbecue Nation, by the way, and I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris, coming to you from our world-famous Turn It, Don't Burn It studios. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. The holiday is right around the corner, 4th of July. Biggest rib day in the world. Um, it's an incredible weekend because, actually, I think the 4th is celebrated on the 5th as far as a holiday this year because of the 4th falls on a Sunday. Uh, at where I live, it goes on for about a week, the whole celebration. <laughs> so, uh, as usual, for our... Uh, Standard operating procedure. We've got my good friend Meathead from Amazing Ribs with us today. We're going to be talking about what you're going to be cooking for the Fourth of July. How are things in Chicago, Meathead? Oh man, we've had we've had some some beautiful weather. Um, so you you celebrate the Fourth for a week. We when I used to work and I worked my way through college in a liquor store, and we used to tell people have a fifth on the Fourth. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be uh, this weekend, which is the weekend before the fourth. It's going to be, it's going to be hotter than a Hunter Biden spoon. You know what I mean? It out here. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's going to crack triple digits here. So and oh, brother, yeah, we've been reading about the uh, the heat wave and the drought out there, and uh, it's always something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And the problem we've got is the fires. Um, yeah, I'm I'm aware of that, and there there I just saw a map of all the fires currently burning in California. Yeah, holy cow! Yeah, and there's holy cow. There's a ton. Hey, um, I gotta worse. tell you, yes, um, I got my hands on some painted hills uh, recently. Uh, being here in the Midwest, it's not normally available. Um, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I, I sure did like it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. Yeah. Pretty tasty. Yeah. That's that's from you know all the ethical massages we give those cattle you know (laughs) (laughs) so um it's i said at the opening of the show it's uh biggest week weekend biggest celebration with ribs we talk about pork ribs a lot with you on this show because amazing ribs one thing we don't cover too much is beef ribs and beef ribs are quite tasty um, uh yes and there's a lot of meat on them and you can have a lot of fun with them. So why don't you kind of lay out, if you would, Meathead, a few basic things for cooking beef ribs versus pork ribs. Okay. Well, first, I got to ask you to do me a favor. Sure. Um, don't ever call us Amazing Ribs. We're AmazingRibs.com. If you call me Amazing Ribs, what happens is the phone rings at 10 o'clock at night and they ask, do you deliver? <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. AmazingRibs.com. <laughs> Now people know we're a website, not a barbecue joint. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. You got it. Uh, Well, you know, there are several holidays around the year 
that center around food. It's most notable is Thanksgiving, um, uh, St. Patrick's Day, sure, uh, with the corned beef, and uh, but Fourth of July is a big food holiday. I mean, a lot of us have backyard cookouts, um, and you know, Thanksgiving is turkey. I think. For many people, Fourth of July is ribs. Yep. Uh, I'm, you know, we'll serve some chicken and hot dogs for other, you know, people who don't eat pork or, you know, right. for the kids. But um, uh, I'll, I'll have at least a dozen slabs going for the Fourth. Um, everybody loves ribs. I mean, the, the fun thing about ribs is. First of all, they taste so good, but you get to eat them with your fingers, you know. And I mean, that's that. You know, there's just something primal about eating food with your hands, and uh, I think people just love that aspect of it. But pork ribs, when you say ribs, most people think of baby backs or spare ribs, and sure. those are pork ribs. But beef, uh, cattle have ribs too, and um, uh, there 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 is a variety of them. Um, the ribs from the front end of the steer, um, uh, often called the short ribs or plate ribs, um, typically the bone is about eight inches long, but there can be a pound or two of meat sitting on top of that bone. Mm -hmm. um, it can be two inches thick in some places. Typically, they taper. There's a big hunk on one end, about two inches thick, and it tapers off to about an inch or three-quarters of an inch. But that's a lot of meat, and it's really tasty. And just like pork ribs, these muscles work very hard. Um, they're involved in all of the walking exercise, plus they cover the lungs so they expand and contract with the lungs, just like our ribs do. Sure. And um, so there's a lot of tough muscle in there and a lot of connective tissue that holds that muscle in shape. And you just can't take beef ribs and throw them on the grill, on a hot grill, and grill them like you might a steak or something because they're going to be really tough. They have to be cooked at a low temperature. Mm -hmm. Whenever you cook at a high temperature, the protein, the muscle fibers shrink, and they squeeze out moisture. Um, also, cooking at low temperature takes that connective tissue and softens it. Often it can turn into gelatin, and that gives it a really rich, gelatinous, unctuous. It's not a slippery or greasy taste, and it also renders the fat, makes the fat um, soft, and that makes it really juicy. So you have to cook beef ribs at a low temp. Now, I should say, there's another flavor of beef ribs that we should talk about, and those are beef back ribs. And they come from further up the, uh, the animal. Um, they, they connect to the spine, and they have a little curvature to them, just like baby backs on a, on, on a, on a hog. But just like on a hog, those back ribs are connected to a muscle called the longissimus dorsi, and that is another word for your beef ribeye primal. Right. And ribeye is the among the most expensive muscles on the animal, if not the most expensive. Really, a premium cut. And so, when the when they make a boneless um, rib roast. They cut the ribeye off the rib bones 
the back rib bones on the steer. And so there's not a lot of meat on top of those bones. On baby back ribs, there's typically a bit of meat on top of them, mm-hmm. uh, pork ribs, but not on beef ribs. They're cut them, they cut them pretty close to the bone. But there's a pretty good amount of meat in between the bones. Um, and oh, like the, like the, the um, uh, side ribs, the short ribs, the plate ribs, um, uh, it, they can be very tough unless you cook them low and slow. And they do, it, they do take smoke nicely. So you can pop them in the smoker or throw wood on the fire on your grill. But you absolutely must cook them at a low temp. I like to cook them down around 225. And I want to keep them away from the fire. We've talked about this before, and your audience probably understands the concept of two-zone cooking. But let me give a quick thumbnail in case somebody's not familiar with it. You almost always set up your grill in two zones. Have, uh, if it's a gas grill, one or two burners on the side on high or medium, and the other one or two burners are off altogether. And if it's charcoal, you have all the charcoal pushed to one side, and the other side has no charcoal. And on the side, without the coal, without the flame, it's called the indirect zone. And it's like going out on a hot day. You stand in the sun, you get a lot of infrared and ultraviolet radiation beating down on you. If you're cooking over the flame, there's a lot of infrared radiation from the flame. But if you move it onto the indirect side, it's like stepping into the shade. And you want to cook in the shade. You want to cook in this indirect zone where there's not direct infrared radiation. It's a lot cooler over there. The air circulates around it, and it cooks it more gently. And you want to try to keep the temp over there down around 225. It could take several hours. It could take four or five hours for um, back ribs. And for um, short ribs, it can take 10 or 12 hours. Um, but believe me, they're worth the wait. Yes, they are. And there's nothing quite as tasty. And I'm not, not sliding pork ribs whatsoever. Cause I love them. I love, of course I just love food, but when you get, mm-hmm. when you get beef ribs, uh, that are done properly, they're tender, they're moist. Like you said, that's almost turned into beef butter in, in cer- mm-hmm. certain bites. Like that. you got a little coming out of the corners of your mouth when you, when you, mm-hmm. when you bite into it, maybe a little on your shirt. That's me all the time. And uh, it, it's, in Texas, the barbecue joints often refer to them as dinosaur ribs because yeah. even though they're only about eight or ten inches long, that big slab of meat on top of them is just imposing. Yeah, um, and, and and they're fantastic. And normally, you don't bother with any barbecue sauce. You wouldn't put barbecue sauce on a steak. You don't need to put barbecue sauce on beef ribs. They taste and feel very much like great brisket. Um, and, and that's because the muscle structure is similar to brisket. Um, and if you do it right, you can get a nice crust on top, a nice bark. Um, in Texas, salt and pepper is all they put on there. But if you have, you know, something like a Montreal rub or seasoning, um, that'll go good on there too. Does your Memphis dust work good on them? You know, there's sugar in Memphis dust. It's designed for pork. Pork loves sugar. I don't think beef and sugar are a natural uh, mm-hmm. pair. So um, I'll, 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 let, I'll let you and your listeners in on a little secret. We're introducing later this month or early July, we're waiting on a manufacturer, um, three um, rubs 
three blends, and one of them is a beef and a red meat blend. Um, and uh, I tell you, all my life, I have never put anything but salt and pepper on my on my beef, and this stuff is just awesome. <laughs> um, so um, it'll be out in July sometime. We'll have links on our website to places to buy it. It's called Meatheads. Red Meat Rub. We're going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. I'm going to be back with Meathead and our 4th of July preparation show coming up on the Sun Radio Networks. Please stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Networks. I'm JT. If you'd like to info us, contact us, do whatever, it's really easy. Just go to barbecuenationjt.com. There's a little, you know, contact us thing there. You can send me an email. I'll answer it personally. Um, or if you need information that I don't have, I will forward it to the proper person. But you always get a response from me. Uh, also, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Literally now, I think 35 other platforms or some ridiculous number. <laughs> God, it just goes all the time. <clears throat> Excuse me, poor Doc Dave. He's out there trying to figure this stuff out all the time. Anyway, we're talking with Meathead. Fourth of July is coming up. We've been talking about beef ribs. I think sometimes, Meathead, that people, they're so ingratiated in cooking pork ribs that they pass on beef ribs because, one, maybe they've never had them. Or two, if they did have them, they were tougher than a boiled owl. You know, they weren't yeah. they weren't cooked properly. But I think if they if they really paid attention and and took the time to cook them properly and enjoyed them, I think they would probably split fifty fifty. I mean, pork ribs are easier to cook. I get that. You know, and, and well, you know, um, one of the problems also is is the stores don't always carry them. Right um, now, you can find short ribs in some stores. And instead of being eight or 10 inches long, the dinosaur ribs, they're cut in about two or three inch long segments. And what is typically done with those is they're served um, in, in, in stew, in a crock pot or mm-hmm. a, a Dutch oven with, you know, you, you, you take these ribs and you brown them in a frying pan. You throw them in a Dutch oven. Um, you pour in a whole bottle of wine and uh, some other seasonings and stuff. And you turn on the uh, crock pot and you walk away for six hours. And when you come back, it, it's just fantastic because the, Wine is a solvent, and it pulls flavor out of the rib bones, and that that really makes the the, the sauce rich and unctuous, um, and the meat can be very tender. It's uh, it's like pot roast, um, and that's a great way to go about it. And uh, I actually have a recipe for um, a Provencal. Uh, it's a classic 
French style way of cooking them. Um, and uh, on, on AmazingRibs.com, even though it's not barbecued, I just love beef ribs so much. I have a recipe for that. And, and of course, we have all the recipes for grilled and smoked beef ribs on AmazingRibs.com as well. But you may not find them in the store because there's not a big call for them. Right. So something a lot of people don't realize is if you're shopping at a good grocery store, um, there's a butcher department, and you go back there, and of course everything's laid out in the glass case, but there's usually a bell, and if you tap that bell, and you should do this in the morning, because the head butcher shows up early in the morning to receive the trucks, um, and then maybe knocks off a little early in the afternoon. So you want to catch the head butcher or the assistant head butcher and ring that bell, and he or she will come out. And by the way, a lot of them are female now. Yep. Um, and, and he or she will come out, and you just tell them what you want. They, will, they, they deal with wholesalers and with slaughterhouses where they can order whatever they want, whatever you want, and often they can get it in in a couple of days because a lot of people say, well, I want to cook a whole brisket for the 4th of July. It's a big, you know, yeah. a whole brisket can be 18 pounds, but I got a crowd coming over. Now's my chance. You know, you don't cook a whole brisket for just two people. Right. Um, but uh, uh, the groceries are not likely to be carrying that. So you need to get in there a week or so beforehand and say, can you order for me a whole packer brisket uh, of about 18 pounds, USDA choice, or USDA prime. And they'll probably say, sure, when do you want it? You say, you know, the day before thank, uh, 4th of July. Or beef ribs, can you order, um, ask for the plate ribs um, that are, uh, make sure you describe, but typically a, a, a plate of four rib bones, and they're about 8 or 10 inches long, and they have up to 2 inches thick meat on them. One of them has more meat than the others. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, they'll order that. And uh, if you're not sure about that, drop me an email. I meathead at amazingribs.com, and I'll give you the butcher code number. There's a code number. They have a book they work from, and you give them the code number so that they can't get it wrong. If they order from that code number, they'll get exactly what you want, and uh, they'll, 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 they can get it in. Um, and it's really, you know, I often say getting to know your butcher uh, is, is, is more valuable than getting to know your stockbroker because um, I have walked into the butcher's, you know, the grocery store, and I'm standing there looking at the meat display, and the butcher will spot me and come out and say, hey, we just got in some uh, uh, ribeye steaks that look fantastic. Would you like some? Yes. <laughs> you know, um, get and I, I've been known to cook up a slab of baby backs or something and bring them over there at lunchtime. Uh, yep. My local grocery has a picnic table out back where the butchers go out and have lunch. I'll, I'll throw a slab of cooked ribs at them. They remember you when you do that. Oh, yeah. They take good care of you. So um, you can order from your butcher if you want anything you want, almost anything. Like um, another one that people always want to try is, is pork belly. Yeah. Um, and pork belly burn ends are just unbelievably good. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but you're not going to likely find or, or, or make, make your own 
bacon from pork belly. Um, and, but you're not going to find it on display. There's not a great deal of call for it. So you go by, you order them, uh, try to get your order in about a week in advance, but often they can have it in stock in a couple of days. Um, but there have been um, a number of small uh, artisanal uh, butcher shops opening up. The food's a little more expensive, perhaps. Um, the other thing is, is you can mail order. Um, we got to take uh, a break. Companies like Porter Road and Snake River Farms, uh, Allen Brothers, who have superb premium Wagyu, uh, sure. actual Kobe beef, um, aged beef, uh, artisan, uh, rather, um, um, heritage breeds. Um, and uh, I actually have a list of some of them on AmazingRibs.com if you want to try ordering uh, exotic uh, uh, meats. There you go. we got to take a break. Um, we're going to be back, and we're going to give Meathead some questions from some of you listeners out there, so please stay with us on Barbecue Nation. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Networks. I'm your host, JT. We're talking with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. I got that part in, right? (laughs) We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. You know, you might give some Painted Hills ribs out there a shot over the 4th of July weekend. They're really good. Uh, You can can find them. Uh, Go to their website, PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com, and they've got a store locator. Or I think you can order them directly from them. So we got them. And also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. I said Gunter right this time, I think. Um, great knives. Uh, David Malik and his crew there take very good care of me. I know they take pretty good care of Meathead too. And I love them. I love using them. So I'm just going to leave it there. So we've got some questions. Okay. Um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago and I reached out and some of our listeners responded. So we've got some here and this is from Dave. He's up in South Dakota. He, I know I know him, actually, and uh, he's kind of new to barbecue. And he goes, is there a rule of thumb on cooking times for ribs, briskets, or roasts, or is it just by the pound? And can you give me some tips on different cooking temperatures? Now, that's a loaded question if there is one. But, um, you know, when they're new to what we do, that's... They're curious yeah, about that, all this. It's a really good question, and yeah. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have similar questions. I get those questions a lot on the website, so sure. let's let's dive right in. Um, you don't w- worry about the weight; it's the thickness. And let's just do a little very simple physics here. Sure. Um, hot air cooks the outside of the meat. But the outside of the meat is what cooks the inside of the meat. The air can't penetrate. So what happens is is the heat or the energy from the air or the flames, that would be infrared energy, builds up in the surface of the meat. And it travels towards the center slowly. 
because meat is about 70 to 75 percent water, and water is a good insulator. Sure. So it takes a while for it to get to the center. So it's the thickness of the meat that determines how long it takes to cook. And the example that I have, and I've got this illustration on AmazingRibs.com in my article on beef ribs. So let's take a, uh, rather on beef, beef roasts, let's take a, um, a, a boneless beef roast that is four inches thick and 10 inches long. Okay. Seven bones. That's a big roast. That's your Christmas dinner roast. And you put that in the oven or on the grill or in the smoker. And then you take another one that is four inches thick and is half as long. They're going to cook and be done at almost exactly the same time. Because the temperature works its way down from the outside to the center. So it's the thickness that determines the cooking time, not the weight. The length of that piece is going to double. If you double it, the weight's going to double, but the thickness doesn't change. The same goes for just about everything else. Now, there's one more very important factor, and that is the temperature. And in fact, I just got this question on the website today, and he was asking um, how long to cook a beef roast. Uh, and, and the answer is, well, at what temperature? Uh, that's like saying, how long does it take from, to drive from Portland to New York? At what speed? Right. Um, so your temperature is crucial in this process. Um, I am a fan of two temperatures. If you're cooking on a grill, I want you to master two temperatures. 225 air temperature and 325 air temperature. Um, and when I say air temperature, if you were listening earlier, we we're talking about two zone cooking. That's what the temperature is in the indirect side away from the flame because it's cooking by warm circulating convection air. And if you can master those two temperatures, if you, and you want to get a good digital thermometer that you can place on the cooking surface on the grate with a clip, they cost about 30, 40, 50 bucks, but they're essential because that tells you what the air temperature is, and that's the miles per hour that you're traveling from Portland to New York. You need to know that to know how long it's going to take to cook. And then, of course, you need a thermometer to probe the meat and test the interior temperature, and they cost about 20 to 50 bucks uh, for a good one. Sure. But nothing is more important to being a good cook than a good thermometer. So you don't cook by the clock. You cook by the thermometer. It's the temperature that, that will tell you when something is done. You can't use a, a watch to tell you when something is done. So um, you need at least one good thermometer, an instant read meat thermometer, um, and if you can, a probe that you can place next to the meat so you know what the temperature is you're cooking. Now, it's important. I mentioned those two temperatures, 225 and 325. 225 is what you cook most things at. It's a nice, low, gentle temperature. It takes longer, but at that temperature, you won't squeeze out a lot of the juices. At high temperature, the muscles shrink and squeeze out juices. 325 is what you cook poultry at because the skin has got a lot of fat in it. And if you want crispy skin, yes, I do, yep. then you need to cook it at a little higher temperature. You need to crank it up to 325 or 350 to get the skin crispy. 
Now, the one other thing you need to know, I said 225 and 325. There's one more number, and I call it warp 10. Give it all she's got, Scotty. And that is when you move it over the flame. When you're cooking directly over the flame is when you're treating the surface. And that's because the energy, the infrared energy from the flame or the glowing coals is pounding one side. And that's really intense. That's like going out in the sun when most of the time I want you to be cooking in the shade. Right. So um, 225, 325, and warp 10, which is infrared. (laughs) Yep. Okay, here's another one. Let me uh, pull it up here. Um, I have an article on called The Thermodynamics of Cooking. It sounds imposing, but it's really very simple. And it's all on our website or in my book, Meathead, The Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling. And it's a science book, essentially explains all the physics and chemistry involved in cooking in lay terms. It's not complicated. Right. Um, if you slept through science class, you'll still understand it. Yep, absolutely. Okay, here is from Eric. If you were limited to use one grill for your backyard to cook everything, what would it be? Um, It would be the Weber kettle or the slow and sear kettle, which is a competitor, very similar concept. Um, The uh, slow and sear, I think, is a little better design. Um, You have to get it mail order. You can't buy it from the hardware store. But the good old-fashioned Weber kettle, which was invented in 1948, and hasn't changed significantly since then, is a great all-purpose cooker. One of the reasons is, is because you can control the airflow. Um, if you can, an air temperature, uh, the, the airflow, oxygen, is what controls temperature. You've got, it's a charcoal cooker. Sure. Um, and I, I, I prefer charcoal slightly only because it has, you can get a lot of infrared out of that. And if you want a steakhouse steak, if you want a good dark crust, you need a lot of infrared. Gas grills, I have a beauty. I love it. I use it a lot. Um, uh, I'm, and, I, and I don't condescend to gas. But the one I have has a really good infrared burner, mm-hmm. like you'll see in a steakhouse. And it will get me 1,000 degrees. So I can do a fantastic steak on that. But um, for all purpose, for low and slow, for smoking, for high and hot and fast grilling, good old fashioned Weber kettle. There you go. Um, let's see here. We've only which, by the way, I think is selling around one hundred and ten bucks. Not bad. Not bad. The inflation really hasn't hit that one yet. Okay, here's one. Um, we hear a lot. Uh, this is from Pat. We always hear about barbecuing meat. What about fish? Can you, do you have to smoke it or can you actually barbecue it? And we've got uh, about two and a half minutes left. So I'm just warning you there. Um, I, I'm going to right away, without getting into great detail, disabuse you from the concept that there is different difference between barbecue and grilling. Barbecue is a big word and it encompasses a lot of cooking styles, grilling among them. But 
Um, you can smoke fish low and slow. It's marvelous. I mean, you've had smoked fish, haven't sure. you? Oh, sure. Um, it's fantastic. But you can also grill fish. The problem with grilling fish is that it sticks to the grates. It's 90% water, whereas beef is 75% water. And the protein in it just grabs onto the hot metal. The secret to that is to oil the fish well, not the grate, the fish. You want to oil the fish. Don't worry, it's not going to make it fatty. It'll drip, much of it will drip off. And in fact, one of the tricks that I use is to oil the fish with mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is mostly oil. Um, it doesn't give it a mayonnaise flavor. Most of it drips off, but it clings to it and really does a good job. So you season it with salt and your herbs and spices, load it up with mayonnaise and throw it on the grill and it won't stick. Also, if you can warm it slightly, again, in the indirect zone, then the surface will not stick when you move it over the hot zone. Um, we've got about 45 seconds. You know, there's a lot of fuss being made about cooking it on cedar planks. I don't do that. Okay, I'm I don't just, either. I just don't do it. I, to me, it's like cooking on top of styrofoam. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the wooden plank is an insulator. Um, it, it prevents the heat from getting to one side. So you're just roasting it from above, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the plank doesn't give it any flavor. Right. Uh, you can't taste the cedar, um, especially if there's skin. Um, I, I, it, it's just something I don't bother with. Yeah, me either. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and ask Meathead some more questions from you, the listeners. One of them is right up his old wheelhouse. And I don't, I'm not, that's not an innuendo. <laughs> that's just the truth. We'll be back in just a minute. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Network. I am JT, and today we're talking with my buddy Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. I got that part in there. By the way, Meathead's Meetup in Memphis is 2022. And so you can yeah. you can go to the AmazingRibs.com. Uh, if you signed up for it for 2021, it's been pushed out to 2022 in the spring. There's all the information on there. And... Um, Meathead and his crew are really good about that. It was just too complicated with still states being locked down with COVID and this and that. So um, he can. We're gonna have a lot of fun down in Memphis. We're gonna. We've got some great speakers, some great pork, um, some great demonstrations. Uh, Memphis is known for pork, so we're gonna focus on pork, and uh, we're gonna taste some uh, great barbecue from some of the great restaurants. Uh, should be a lot of fun. We're staying at the Peabody Hotel famous grand old hotel so go to amazingribs.com slash memphis for all the details there you go now this is from mark who lives in lyle uh uh illinois right down the road from you there yeah just a couple of miles from me yeah and he's a, he's a big fan of the show and he's especially a big fan when you're on the show i don't know what that means but um anyway <laughs> I, it's kind of a long question, but I'll, I'll read it to you anyway. He says, I have a Weber charcoal grill that I've used for many years. I've cooked with Kingsford and Royal Oak briquettes for a long time. Really can't go wrong with them. Every once in a while, I try some lump charcoal. Lump charcoal is very good as I think it burns longer and cleaner and has no filler. However, 
Uh, the downside with lump charcoal for me is the consistency of the chunks. It seems that every bag I buy, no matter what brand, has quite a bit of broken small pieces and a fair amount of dust at the bottom of the bag, which is unusable on the grill and a lot of waste. Probably due to shipping, no way to avoid it. So I've gone back to briquettes, which has very little broken pieces and dust. Do you have a recommended source or brand of lump charcoal that has consistently large chunks and a minimal amount of charcoal waste? No. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Next question. No, I, I frankly prefer briquettes. That's one of the reasons. Um, but another reason is, um, now, by the way, there are fillers that bind. Briquettes are made from sawdust, mm -hmm. and um, uh, they're, they, they're, they're cooked in such a way that they convert from um, the wood components, lignin and uh, cellulose, into what's called char, um, which burns more efficiently in a hotter temperature, and they're formed into these little pillows, these bricks, or briquettes. And um, um, I love them because... They're identical. So 80 briquettes will produce, which is if you have a, a, a Weber chimney starter, which is the best way to fire up a charcoal grill, uh, a chimney starter, not just necessarily Weber. But the Weber holds 80 briquettes. So if you fill it up halfway with 40, you have half the energy. This, temperature control is what cooking is all about. And so how many briquettes you're cooking with will influence your temperature. And also, they're all the same size. Um, you, you, you can, in, in, now, in bags of lump, you'll find lump the size of a softball and lump the size of your fingernail. Um, they're very inconsistent. Um, they burn inconsistently. By the way, I don't think they burn longer. I think they burn shorter. Um, and uh, the other thing is, is that if it's not been carbonized, cooked properly, um, there can be raw wood in the center, lignin and cellulose, and they produce a lot of smoke. And if you cook with lump, you will often see a lot of smoke coming out of them, snap, crackle, pop. Um, charcoal is for heat. It is not a flavor source. If you light a briquette and you get it fully lit so that it's covered with white ash, it will not produce a lot of flavor. If you want flavor, you put wood in there. And when the wood burns, the wood creates flavorful smoke. I don't want my lump charcoal creating smoke of an unknown origin. I don't know what that wood was. Uh, it could be redwood. It could be pine. I don't know what it is. I want to, I'm a control freak. I want briquettes, all uniform in size. I want them to produce powerful infrared energy so I can sear a steak beautifully. Um, and if I want flavor, I'm going to put wood on the charcoal, not buried in the charcoal. So I know that there's an awful lot of people who feel that lump charcoal, because it looks like natural wood, is more close to nature. It's more like organic. You know, it appeals to the yeah. same people who 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 are who, who buy organic foods and natural foods and such but i just don't think it is as good a heat source as briquettes the one the one thing that i like <clears throat> um we used i used to long time ago i worked with a guy and on weekends we would do pig roasts and we would use the lump charcoal 
on the pig roast because it was a pit in the ground. It was easy to shovel in. Um, we could rake it around. It was something that Fred, that was his name, liked to use. And I found that to be the best because we actually could, if we carefully put it in the fire, so to speak, use the stuff at the bottom of the bag. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah. You've got some Kamado-style grills now and stuff that use, you know, they recommend using lump charcoal in and all that. And, uh, you know, that comes with its own ascendry problems as far as, you know, refueling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They, they, they try to make it as simple as possible. And some people have done a really good job with that. But you're still going to get a bit of charcoal dust and stuff coming up from that if you're not careful. So, okay. Here- now, one of the reasons the Kamados ask you to use lump is because some of the Kamado designs, particularly the big green egg, are easily clogged by ash. And in general, briquettes do make more ash. Mm-hmm. But there's a new breed of briquette out there. The ash is often from the binders. Now, cornstarch is like the major binder. I mean, it's not that there's nothing evil about cornstarch. But um, uh, there's a new breed of briquette out there. Kingsford makes, I think it's the Pro brand, right, I forget. Right. Um, there are other brands, uh, Royal Oak, I think. Several brands make pure hardwood briquettes with no binders or minimum binders. And if you're concerned about the purity and that's what attracts you to lump, um, then go for the briquettes that are no binder. Um, and they will make less ash and they'll burn fine in your uh, big green egg. Um, and now the big green egg people will encourage you to use lump because among other things, big green egg makes and sells lump. Um, but um, uh, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm a hard and fast um, briquette guy. And uh, uh, most of the time I just end up with uh, uh, whatever's on sale. That's going to wrap up this portion of the show and meathead and I are going to stick around for after hours. We thank everybody. We especially thank meathead for taking time to be on the nation today. And, um, my friend, it is always good to talk to you. Always good to talk to you. Um, Leanne Whippen coming up in the second hour. So please stay with us. Barbecue nation is produced by JTSD LLC productions in association with envision networks and Salem media group. All rights reserved.